This week, an unusual cyclone development across the tropical South Atlantic. The South Atlantic doesn't often see tropical storms. In fact, um, the last time we had a fully tropical storm in that region was in 2010. How artificial intelligence is set to transform the way we interpret weather and climate. Your system does 16 petaflops. A petaflop is a quadrillion, right? Uh, which is 16,000 trillion operations a second. And with March going out like a lamb, what's next? Temperatures really dropping away through the weekend. There'll still be some sunshine, but it won't be as warm, and the frosts will really return on Sunday night. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir, and you're listening to WeatherSnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. Although the sun has now crossed the equator from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere, cyclones continue to rage across the oceans in the south, including a rare occurrence of one over the South Atlantic. Tropical prediction scientist Julian Hemming has the details. Well, in the South Atlantic, we have an unusual tropical storm named Eba. Now, the South Atlantic doesn't often see tropical storms. In fact, um, the last time we had a fully tropical storm in that region was in 2010, which, one which was called um, Anita. Now, typically, they don't happen in the South Atlantic because the conditions aren't particularly favourable. Uh, there isn't a kind of uh, well-organised convergence zone where the winds at low levels meet and, and cause the air to rise. And also, there's, there's quite high levels of wind shear, which means that... Um, any developing storms tend to get ripped apart as they move up through the atmosphere. But in this last week or so, the conditions have been just right for the development of this storm called Eburn. And, and thankfully, it is moving away from um, the land area. So it's it formed off the coast of Brazil, but it doesn't pose any threat to land. Although this cyclone doesn't pose a threat, that hasn't always been the case. In 2004, there was a, a quite a famous hurricane which occurred in the South Atlantic um, at that time, it didn't have any official name. It's sort of, since the event, been known as Hurricane Catarina because it hit the Brazilian state of, of Catarina. And uh, that was uh, quite a severe hurricane. It, was, it was clearly was a hurricane when it made landfall and so had the kind of impacts which you'd expect from a hurricane which hits land. So that's the South Atlantic. Meanwhile, across the tropical waters of the North Atlantic, the season hasn't started yet. In the North Atlantic, the season starts in around, in around June, um, but the, the main storms, the, the really severe storms, really don't get going till later in the season, maybe August through to October. So how well can computer models suggest trends on how intense and frequent the storms will be across the season over the North Atlantic? Well, we do have seasonal models which now run up to six months ahead, which give an idea of um, the number of storms we're likely to see and whether we're likely to see a higher or lower number of intense storms. If you go back a couple of years, the, the um, Met Office system for a seasonal prediction in the North Atlantic uh, did very well in predicting where the kind of high activity was going to be during that very active Atlantic season. Um, we, we do forecast out to six months ahead, so typically we'll be looking to the forecasts which come out in April to give us a good idea of what's going to happen for the coming season. Tropical prediction scientist Julian Hemming. This week, the Met Office hosted TechStorm, which brought together representatives from a range of tech organisations, including Microsoft and Amazon. And they were talking about the future of forecasting and technology. Among the event speakers was Per Nyberg, Vice President of Market Development, Artificial Intelligence and Cloud at Cray Inc., the people who make the Met Office supercomputers. 
Ada McGiven caught up with him to learn more about the way artificial intelligence will shape our future understanding of weather and climate. So there's standard measurements for performance in computing. So FLOPS is just, think of an arithmetic operation, right? Um, so your system does 16 petaflops. A petaflop is a quadrillion, right? Uh, which is 16,000 trillion operations a second, right? So you, you need that kind of, you know, computational horsepower, if you will, to run these very high-resolution models that the, uh, that the Met Office does. Huge machine. Uh, one of the 20 fastest computers in the world. Is that still up-to-date info there? Roughly, roughly. Yeah. It's certainly the fastest. The Met Office is the fastest operational weather forecasting system in the world. So that, that's definitely number one. Yeah. Why do we need such a powerful supercomputer to run a weather forecast? If, if you think of weather forecasting, ultimately you are trying to recreate the entire Earth's atmosphere. Right? So this isn't something you can do in a lab. Right? So you have to model it using a computer program, as you described. Supercomputers are kind of that you know, essential calculator, if you will, to be able to do that, right? So supercomputers, I think they were first used in the 1950s to do a weather forecast, right? Back then, it took one day to do a one-day forecast, which is kind of pointless. <laughs> um, so part of what you're doing now is you're trying to recreate the Earth's atmosphere with as much accuracy as possible, but run it much faster than real time. What does machine learning mean, and what does it mean in particular for weather forecasting? Yeah, so, so machine learning is, is essentially the ability for a model to learn from data on its own, right? So, you know, one of the areas that's being explored for weather forecasting is that uh, can you use machine learning to, to better select experiments, right? So uh, scientists don't, just don't run one experiment and they're done. They'll run thousands, and these thousands are run over decades, right? And so that ability to, to look back over all of these experiments and gain insights I think what all scientists are grappling with is, is kind of systems of systems, if you will, right? And it's just become so large and so complex and daunting that they need some, you know, computer-aided um, approaches like machine learning. Mm -hmm. As we talked earlier about the, the Met Office uh, supercomputers, so those was 15 petaflops, so a quadrillion. Uh, the, the next sort of milestone in, in computational performance is what's called an exaflop, which is another, it's a thousand times that, wow. right? So it's you know, a billion billion, right, or a million trillion, however you want to count your zeros. The first two weeks in March were lively with storms and heavy rain, but things are now looking decidedly quieter. And what's next in April? Here's meteorologist Alex Deacon. There'll be a change in our weather right at the end of the month, but for the rest of this week, it's high pressure, which means fine weather, dry for the majority. Now, it will be chilly at night where the skies are clear, there'll be some pockets of frost, and it won't be sunny everywhere. There'll still be some areas that stay cloudy, but where it is sunny, temperatures getting into the mid to high teens, so pretty warm for the end of March. The change happens this weekend. A cold front sinks south, bringing a little bit of rain, but more importantly, bringing colder air and temperatures really dropping away through the weekend. There'll still be some sunshine, it won't be as warm, and the frosts will really return on Sunday night. Thanks, Alex. Now here's Ada McGiven with last week's highs and lows. Highest daily temperature was on Thursday with a maximum of 18 degrees at Bridlington in East Yorkshire. The lowest minima was in Loch Glascarnock, Highlands, with a low of 4.7 degrees Celsius at the beginning of the week. 
The sunniest place was in Lynham on Sunday with 11.5 hours of sunshine. And the wettest place was also on Sunday, this time in Kinloch U with 28.4 millimetres. Before we go, the Mostly Weather Met Office podcast is out tomorrow. This time the panel will be discussing overused and misused weather terms. Indian summer. Wow, what a term that is. That's given me enough headaches over the years. It must have done you as well, Penny. I remember every year, I think it gets earlier and earlier when people start talking about when we're going to have an Indian summer. <laughs> I seem to recall last year, even in the heat of July, it's like, oh, and it's going to be an Indian summer. It's like, well, let's get rid of this summer first. You can listen to the Mostly Weather podcast at soundcloud.com and the full address is in this week's WeatherSnap show notes. That's it for WeatherSnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Producer was Adrian Holloway. Do join us again next week when we take a scientific peek behind the week's weather headlines. WeatherSnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.